Well, good morning, everyone. How are you guys all feeling today? Good. Woo. Who's a little sleepy this morning? <laughs> I think I see only people who, like, went on move or a little I'm sleepy. Really <laughs> that's, that's great, Trey. That's great. So if you guys haven't had the pleasure of meeting me, my name is Betsy, and I am one of your interns this summer. <laughs> We're going through a series all about hospitality. And today's topic is over making room for the church. Making room for the church. Before we dive into scripture and before we figure out what God has to say about making room for the church, will you guys play with me? Dear Lord, thank you so much for these students. Thank you so much for this church. Thank you so much for GSM, Lord. I pray that um, you just use me and you speak through me today, Lord. I pray that you open each and every person in this room's hearts and their ears to hear what you have to say, Lord. Thank you so much for this opportunity, and thank you so much for um, this day, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. So when summer starts rolling around, it becomes summer camp season. So how many of you have been to a summer camp yet? Or how many of you have ever been to a summer camp? Way back when, little Betsy Alfin, when she was in middle school, probably transitioning into high school, I went to a camp. You guys probably haven't heard of it, but it's called Camp Carl. I mean, I went there first, so I'm a little bit of a trendsetter. But I went to Camp Carl, and usually with summer camps, not just Camp Carl, they do these different sessions, and they do team and camp cabin team bonding exercises. So at Camp Carl, it was early in the week, and I think it's called initiatives, right? It's called initiatives. So my cabin, we're all going to do initiatives. It's probably like the Monday or the Tuesday. So none of us really know each other yet, and I'm not really talking to the other cabin people. I mean, like, I'm just kind of talking to my two friends that I went with. But we're, anyway, we're going to this team bonding exercise, and as we're going to initiatives, we do a trust fall situation. And so many of you probably know what a trust fall is. It's like if I were to fall, someone would catch me. But I won't do it right now. But at Camp Carl, they like to be like a little spicy, a little extra with all their little things. So instead of just a normal trust fall, you have to walk up this like platform or this ledge. And like while you're walking up there, it kind of feels like it's like a thousand feet tall. And like you're looking down and you're like, I have to fall into that cavern. But honestly, it's probably like two feet. But it feels like it's really, really tall. So as a counselor is like explaining, like, oh, trust fall, like team bonding, let's all work together. We're going to catch each other. And they're like explaining like the certain hands, like the gestures you're supposed to like move your hands. I don't remember. And I don't think I was really paying attention that well. And we're all kind of like talking to each other. So none of us are really listening to our counselor. Don't listen to your counselor, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, Hannah. But... <laughs> So they tell us these hand motions, and the first girl goes up, walking up on the ledge, and she's, like, not having it. She's not excited about this. She's like, I don't really trust these people. I don't want to walk up this ledge and fall down to my death. I don't want to do this. And none of us are paying attention. We're kind of talking to each other. And the point of the exercise is lost 
because none of us are working together and it's unsuccessful because none of us really want to do this. So just like how my cabin was supposed to work together, and we were supposed to be one, we're supposed to be in sync, we failed at this because as a group we weren't working together. And I think that's the same way with inside the church. If we're not all working together, the church is kind of set up for failure. So today we're going to be talking about how to make room for the church. And if we're not all working together and if the church isn't on the same page, then it's not really going to work. But before we go into the scriptures, I want to first make something clear about the church. So we have two different views we can look on in the church. And the first being church with a little c. And meaning that's the chapel in green. So think about it that this is the weekly the people we see weekly on a weekly basis. Those are the believers. That's our church. GSM is our church because we know each other and those are the believers we're constantly surrounded around. That's the little C church, the chapel in green. But on the other side, we have capital C church, meaning that includes past, present, and future believers. So it includes not only the chapel in green, not only the people in this room, but it includes every single person who's a follower of Christ. And that's Big C Church. So knowing that, as we dive into, into the scriptures and what God has to tell us today, put that in the back of your mind. Always be kind of thinking about it. So to make room for the church, we have to be united, unified, working together. And we're going to go through three different easy ways that we can make room for the church. And the first being is acting like a community. Act as a community is how we make room for the church. So hospitality in the church looks like walking into the room and feeling welcomed and feeling like you have a place, which is essentially a community, a community of believers who have each other's backs, who feel and welcome other people inside the community. So if you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Psalms. Chapter 133, verse 1. It's also up on the screen. Psalms 133, 1. It says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. So this verse is talking about a community. And let's pick apart each of the different words and each of the different phrases to have a deeper understanding of really what a community is. So the first word it starts off with is behold, which is kind of a big word. It grabs our attention. And the fact that it's the first word in this verse tells us that we should really pay close attention to it. So for example, if I were to say, behold, I just ordered a grande misto with two pumps of cinnamon dolce syrup from Starbucks. You guys would kind of look at me and look at the Starbucks drink. And just fun fact, that is my Starbucks drink. But if I were to say that behold makes you pay close attention to what I have to say next. So the verse goes on to say, behold how good and pleasant. So behold makes good and pleasant like really good and really pleasant. Not only is it like, it's okay, it's, it's all right. It's saying, behold, it's really good and it's really pleasant when. And it goes on to say, the next word that really jumps out at me in the, next, in the verse is brothers. And typically in the Bible, when it uses the word brothers, it's talking about the body of believers, fellow Christians. 
So can we talk about Little C Church Brothers and Big C Church Brothers? So this verse is telling us, hey, look at this. It's really good and it's really pleasant when Christians... And it says next, dwell in unity. Dwell in unity can mean live together or do life together or walk alongside each other in life. This verse is telling us that it is good and it's pleasant when Christians were working together and were doing life together, which is a community. And this shows us that God created us to be communal beings. He created us to be, not be isolated, but to be alongside each other. Each person in this room wants to have friends. Each person in this room wants to feel loved by the person next to them. Each person has that desire to belong inside a community. And that's what the church should be. It should be a community. So in order to make room for the church, we have to act as a community. Also, to make room for the church, we should not be divided. We can make room for the church by not being divided. So again, if you have your Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 13. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So Paul is writing to the Corinth church, and this church isn't thriving. So when we read that passage, we can imagine Paul being really disappointed in this church, being really hurt by this church because they're divided. And what this church is doing is it's separated and segregated into these different groups who say, I follow this guy, or I follow that guy, or I follow this person. And all those people are godly people, yes. But the only leader that matters, that we should be identifying with, is Christ. And that's what this church is lacking. So today that looks like people who say, I follow Mike Costelli, or I follow Tim Armstrong, or I follow the the pastor from Maranatha, or I follow Kevin Brown, or I follow Ryan Shumway. We divide ourselves among different leaders and segregate ourselves from each other. And this church wasn't thriving. This church was unsuccessful, and this was a problem. So imagine this room if each different D group in here fought with each other. Imagine if the Chris Messner D group had a real beef against Erica Lovell's D group. (laughs) Even though that kind of seems like a little silly or a little far-fetched, We're reading about that happening right in here. The people were divided and the people were separated amongst each other. Not only if the different D groups separate, but what if the D group itself separates? 
What if instead of reconciling that relationship, you just decide, I'm just going to throw it away. Let's just divide up. Because sometimes splitting up is the easy way out. But if we keep splitting ourselves up amongst each other, we're acting like this Corinth church. So we can learn from the bad example that the, Cor- the Corinth church is placing on this. The passage tells us that the church cannot thrive while it's divided because it must be united. So how many of you have ever done a group project before? Group projects are kind of like a hit and miss sometimes. In my opinion, they're mostly a miss. I think like one in a million, they're a hit. But usually in group projects, they don't work out because this one person cares way too much about the project and wants to like meet up after school every day and do everything with it. And then there's other person who legit just writes their name down on the paper. And they don't really communicate well, and the group project just kind of bombs. You kind of mess up because not everyone was actually doing the group project. And just how that group project messed up because not everyone was on the same page, not everyone was working together, so does the church. The division in the Corinth church was toxic because they weren't all identifying with Christ. The foundation and the basis of this church wasn't the same. I want to first make this clear. That doesn't mean we can't have conflicting opinions with each other. That doesn't mean that since some of you might like Dunkin' Donuts coffee more than Starbucks coffee, that we have to fight to the death now. Or doesn't mean if you're actually kind of glad the Warriors won instead of the Cavs. Doesn't mean you have to hate each other. Sorry, too soon, too soon. Too soon, too soon. (laughs) But it becomes a problem when the conflicting opinions don't follow up with Christ. It becomes a problem when this person has a feud with this person, and this person tells their whole gang of their old friends, now this friend group hates this person, but this friend group now hates this person, and it's just conflicting, and then they can't even be in the same room together. Can you imagine what this room would be like if we acted like that with each other? Because again, that's not far-fetched. We're learning about it right now. And not only is the divide not supported by God, God doesn't like this division among the church, but Satan loves it. Satan loves it when we divide amongst each other. Satan's doing a little happy dance down there. The division in the church can be toxic. Which shows us, again, with the little C, big C. I'm not just talking about the division in the chapel in green. I'm talking about the division along the outside, the whole believers, the big C church. And that means we can't hate on Maranatha. We can't hate on faith family. We can't have a grudge against the chapel in Akron. Because Satan loves it when we bash other churches and bash other believers. So in order to make room for the church, we cannot be divided. The third way we can make room for the church is by modeling after the Acts church. So again, if you have your Bibles, flip over to the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 32 through 37. 
Acts 4, 32 through 37. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but that they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold, and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So we can start by making room for the church, by acting like this church. And this church did three things really well. The first being, it understood the importance of acting as one and the importance of being one with each other. It says that they had one heart and one soul. Meaning that each heart and each soul was beating after Christ. They were all following the mission of Christ. Each person, not just the majority, but each person was following Christ. And they weren't following Christ in the exact same way. They weren't all pastors, but they were all working together with their gifts. They were all doing God's mission in the way that God laid it on them. They understood that they should be one. The second thing that this church did really well is it cared for the needs of others, which is found at the end of verse 32, going on to 35. And it says, And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but that they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimonies to the the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as had need. I love that this, these verses say that there wasn't a needy person among them. That each person took responsibility to the person on their left, to the person on their right, and they legit gave up all their money and distributed to each person. They took care of each other's physical needs. How often do we see that inside this room? They shared what they had with each other. Each person stepped up and cared for the physical needs of the other person in that room. How often do we see that in this room? How often do we see that in the chapel in green? How often do we see that in the Big C Church? If we're to model this church, we have some work to do. And not only did they care for the physical needs, but it says there wasn't a needy person among them, which also meets the emotional needs of each other in this room. We can start by meeting the emotional needs of each other in this room. Because each person is struggling with something. Each person walked in here with their own baggage, with their own hurt, with their own pain. And if we want to start meeting the emotional needs of each other in this room, we have to acknowledge that. Understand that each person has something going on in their lives. There's people that walk into this room week after week who feel like they have no friends. Who feel like they're misunderstood by the world. 
who have a negative body image about themselves. There's people who walk in here who constantly compare themselves to other people who are smarter, who are prettier, who are better than they are. There's people in this room still grappling with their parents' divorce. There's people who are grieving a loved one. There's people in here who are struggling with anxiety and depression. There's real issues going on in this room. There's real hurt and real pain that each person feels. So in order to meet the emotional needs of each other in this room, we have to start bearing each other's burdens. And what that means is that's not easy. That if someone is grieving, you have to grieve alongside them. If someone is hurting, if someone is struggling, that means you get in the thick with them and you pull them out. Only God can pull them out. But you should be in the thick with them. And the best way to meet those where they're at, who are struggling, who are grieving, is through a relationship. You can't just waltz up to someone and ask, hey, what you, what's your deepest struggle you're going with? Let me help you. You could, but it starts with a relationship. So in order to get to the, where we're meeting each other's emotional needs, we should be loving on each other and developing relationships with each other. Not only can we meet the emotional needs, but we can help meet the spiritual needs. And again, only God can meet those needs, but we can walk alongside them and pursue Christ together. We can offer scripture, we can offer a prayer, we can offer wisdom, we can do a Bible study together, we can keep each other accountable on doing their devo. We can start help by we can help by start helping meeting the spiritual needs of each other in this room. The third thing that this Acts Church did really well was it also it cared for the building and the ministry. And we see that with Barnabas in verse 36, which says, Thus Joseph, who was called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So Barnabas displays a great way to make room for the church, by not only supporting the people inside the church itself, but by supporting the ministry itself. So how can you guys walk away from today's message and do that? And the simple answer is support the church. Meaning we can support the Little C Church. We can support the Chapel in Green. We can support GSM. But it also means we can support the Big C Church, support other churches outside there, support missionaries, support other organizations that are chasing after Christ. So support the church. Give what you can. Give your resources, your money, your time, your gifts for serving, your mind and your ideas to the church. And when we give to the church, don't just give what the little extra you can. Give what's hard. Give what makes you go, God, I do not want to give this up right now. If you feel that prickling that God is telling you to give something up, 
do it. Listen to it. Because I bet you Barnabas, that was not an easy thing for Barnabas to do. So not only give what you can, but give what's hard. Challenge yourself to give what's hard. We can display hospitality inside the church by supporting the church just like Barnabas did. This church in Acts demonstrated how we can be acting towards each other inside the church. By acting as one, by caring for the needs inside this room, and by caring for the building and the ministry. So in order for the church to be successful, we should be acting as a community, not being divided, and model the Acts church. Before we go over to the Big C Church, before we start really focusing on that, let's focus on GSM. Let's focus in this room. Because in this room, we have two different perspectives going on. There's those of you that walk into this room who feel welcomed, who feel like this is their home, that this is their place. That when you see this room, you feel like you own it and you are peace in this room. If you feel like that, I can relate as well. When I was in high school, I had a great small group and I was able to feel like I belonged because we brought that sense into this room. I felt loved and I felt welcomed. And if you feel like that, you should be pulling others towards that same feeling. If you already feel welcomed, I urge you, I challenge you to go outside of your comfort zone and say hi to someone you don't know. If you feel welcomed in this room, invite someone to an event that you don't normally hang out with. Bring them into that sense of community, that sense of welcome. And I know we've learned about that so many times. I know if you went on move, you've heard that time and time again. But let's not just hear it today. Let's start doing it actually. Let's not just know, yes, I should be talking to someone new. I should be going out and inviting someone to church. Let's actually start doing it. For those of you who walk into this room who feel unwelcomed, who feel like you can only sit by yourself, who feel like you have no friends, who feel like this place is scary and it's intimidating and you hate this place because your parents just drop you off in this room, I can also relate. When I was going in from middle school to high school, my dad got laid off from the church. And for those of you that have ever gone through a parent losing their job, it's terrifying of not knowing that you have to pick up and leave and go somewhere else. But I not only lost the sense of security that I had with my dad's job, is I lost the church as well. I blamed it all on the church, not just the chapel, but with every single church, I blamed it all on them. I was filled with bitterness and resentment towards every other church because I was burned once and I'd never want it to be burned again. And if you feel burned, try again. Because if I didn't try again, 
I wouldn't have been an intern. I wouldn't have had the pleasure to be a sophomore small group leader. I wouldn't have gotten to go to MOVE. And I wouldn't be here talking to you guys today. So if you feel like the church has hurt you, if the people inside the church has hurt you, try again. Because in reality, each of us are hurting. Each of us are trying. And we're people. So even though it's scary, introduce yourself to someone new if you feel unwelcomed. Even if it's terrifying, go to a summer event, go to a retreat, go to a trip. I didn't finish my story from before about Camp Carl. So eventually a girl did go up and do the trust fall. But since she was so terrified to jump down, when she fell down, she bent her leg and broke a girl's nose. I don't know, it sounds funny. <laughs> but that pain hurt. It was an instant pain and it left a scar. It was not me, but it hurt really bad. And just like that church, just like how my cabin didn't work together and we end up hurting one of our own, if the church doesn't work together, we end up hurting our own as well. The church can do some serious damage. And if we're not working together, if we're not acting as a community, if we're divided, if we're not working like the Acts Church, then we will hurt each other. So make room for the church. Make room for the little C church and the big C church. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, we come to you this morning with new knowledge of what you want us to do, Lord. I pray that you push each student in this room to make room for the church even if they feel uncomfortable, if they think it's scary, if they don't want to lose their pride in this situation, I pray that each of us can learn how to make room for the church and make room for each other inside of it. I thank you for these students. And I thank you for this day, Lord. We love you. Amen.